welcome to the Flail Forward podcast. I'm your host today, Jonathan, and I'm joined by Catrice. Hello. Fred. I'm sometimes the host. Hi. Rob. I'm also sometimes the host. Hi. And Mark. <laughs> Hello. I'm hey. not to be fair. I was the host last time. We were <laughs> That's why I said I'm sometimes the host. <laughs> Lately, it's not been much. Hopefully, yeah, I should never a- be the host ever again. <laughs> Wait, you, me? No, I said I shouldn't oh, be. Okay. I, no, okay. I like it when you're calm down, Fred. You're not me. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, Catrice. That deep inside. What? No, I said I like it when you're the host. <laughs> I know. All right. So, goes, okay, anyway, right. Sorry. Uh, two seconds, and we're off topic. All right. <laughs> today's topic is two-player RPGs, and uh, yeah, I don't really have. Um, a lot, a lot of big plan for how this is going to go. So I think we're just going to flounder a bit here. But I thought we'd start by introducing a couple of two-player RPGs, um, and one of them that I think is worth talking about or or bringing up is um, called Scarlet Heroes by Kevin Crawford. He, it is an OSR style game. It still has a GM, and uh, one player uh, plays as the hero, and. What I like about this is it's taking the oldest game, um, modernizing it to some degree, and uh, allowing for a smaller uh, play group and more heroic play than the traditional uh, OSR style. Hmm. Yeah, so what about you, Fred? You said you had a two-player RPG that uh, you wanted to talk about. So I, I found this in uh, UNI, the role-playing games for two. It's like a big collection of role-playing games. Uh, someone here is connected to it, but I don't actually know who that is. They've been keeping their name very secret. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> I hear I heard that every name in that book is a pseudonym. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, Nobody wants to be connected with it. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because it's very good. Um, especially this one about chasing. I think it's called like the chase or something. It, it's it's okay. Um the but, bus okay. that couldn't slow down. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh the, the RPG I was going to talk about is With Fire Thy Affections Hold a Wing by Taylor Labresh, which is a really long title, but it's uh just a fun little two-play RPG about a boy and a dragon like coming together and having adventures and fighting things and stuff. And the one thing I like about this is it's a two-player game, and throughout the entire game, you're supposed to be holding the forearms of the other person, like kind of just holding their arms, and then like looping string around your wrist. Like around your wrist, you're kind of looping your hands together, you know, loosely. Um, and I just thought that was like a really cool little concept because it's it's it has that like the thing I love about a lot of two player RPGs that I've read and the couple that I played is that they're very they're very intimate. Like it's it's a conversation between two people. It's very back and forth and it's a very intimate thing. And so seeing like touching in there is very interesting. I don't I don't think this is the game for everybody, partly because you're like holding on to another person for like an hour. Um, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I don't do physical touch, so that would be really kind of awkward. I mean, and there are um, there is like a bunch of um, alternate ways to play the game that don't require actually touching another person, and it has a big long thing about touch and um, you know being safe and being reasonable and stuff. So, 
But anyway, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cool and little thing. I think something interesting that that book did is they, they separated um, their games into three categories. And one was distant, uh, and then the other was uh, together, and then the last was touch. And so it had this breadth of games that sort of did these interesting things. And mm-hmm. so it um, kind of brings me to sort of the first thing that I have here is why or when uh, do you think uh, designers should be making two-player games as opposed to uh, like a traditional, more larger group RPG? Mm-hmm. So I guess then I'll, I'll say my thing real quick, just rehashing my point earlier is that like if you want to make something that's kind of intimate and like a thing that should be shared between two people we should make a two-player rpg um but i explained why i thought that was important earlier so go for it cat yeah i think it would like the intimacy thing as you stated like if you're trying to just focus on that that kind of makes sense i think it would also make sense if it's something that it would get really complicated and sort of a mess if you were dealing with uh, multiple people all trying to do like the same thing like there's things that you just flat out work better if you're only dealing with like two people like if you're having like very lengthy conversations like if you made a game about like debating for example you would basically have two sides to debate and that's it like you start adding like three, four sides to a debate, it, it becomes pretty much impossible to have any kind of consistency or coherency to it. So it, it wouldn't work as a game. So I think that kind of should be a default position. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, it definitely requires focus and, and and so since it does require focus that it's always works good when you want the game to be focused mm. exactly mm-hmm. i think what i had in mind when i was thinking of like why you would want to design a two-player game i think a lot of people design the games that they um need to play um or i guess if you're looking at sort of the need to play a role-playing game, most, I guess, highly published or like the the top role-playing games are usually designed for multiple players. So there's a gap, I think, in quality two-player experiences where each player has an equal amount of agency in setting the story. Because if you were to take the paradigm of like, I don't know, a Dungeons & Dragons sort of thing and apply that to just playing with two players, you generally have one person that has a lot of creative license and the other person that has a very narrow window. Um, so I think you generally approach a two-player game when you want to design that that balance um, between the two players, the two participants that are in the game. Yeah, and in the game uh, Scarlet Heroes, which is derived from D&D, is really uh, one thing they try to make clear for the the GM is that the players are heroes and that you shouldn't limit them. Um, and in the very least, you shouldn't limit them in their attempts to do things. 
And um, from the standpoint of, you know, D&D, it, it sort of tries to open that up to create a more open system for two players, uh, which is definitely needed. Uh, there's definitely a, an equality needed, um, not necessarily in, or what am I, not necessarily the same, but in... Um, uh, You're saying it has to be egalitarian? Uh, sort of, yeah. Sort of be like yeah, a, yeah. A, a worthwhile give and take between both yeah, yeah. parties. Yeah. The, it has to have equal. Okay. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying, I think there is a lot of, um, that is a big gap right now from a lot of the more highly cited RPGs of today um, is that there is a big asymmetry in how they're structured. Um, and even looking at GMless games, I think has a close tie-in with two-player structures that I've seen where um, the scene is sort of set equally between whoever is participating in the game. Mm -hmm. And they often do that by literally giving each player a scene um, in, in making it equal in that way. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, There's a game that does that really interestingly, actually. I was trying to think uh, before the show of um, two-player games and I actually couldn't think of any except for uh, Jonathan's I play, but I did remember one just now, and I um, went back and looked it up. Uh, it's called uh, Murderous Ghosts by uh, Vincent Baker. Oh, yeah. And it's a uh, it's a riff on the Powered by the Apocalypse games, but the way it works is you have, um, there's a player book and a GM book, and it the, the um, resolution mechanic is a deck of cards, so you draw... It's like blackjack-ish. You want to get um, under 21 and or over 12, I guess, but not over 21. So like 6 to 12 is the like middle range of like the Powered by the Apocalypse. It covers that. And then um, 13 to 20 is good. And then 1 to 5 is bad and over 21 is bad. Um but the way it's structured is the player has these even entries in their playbook. Um, so it goes from two, four, six, eight, all the way up to 52. And um, the GM has the opposite numbers. And you go through this sort of thing. And it's sort of like a choose your own adventure prompted by the cards that you draw and how you choose to narrate those cards. So there's there's the, you you start out in sort of this, um, uh, you know, a horror movie equivalent where a a, a ghost is trying to uh, convey something to you, but the ghost has the ability to lash out and hurt you, and that's the basic premise. And then you can try and investigate, or try and quell the ghost, or um, you know, be overcome by it, or there's you know a bunch of different. But it's it's got this structured you go, I go, um, mode that, that, that it uses to get to the end. And then there is a resolution. So what prompted me is something it prompted that, uh, let me say that again, <laughs> something <laughs> that this prompted me to think about was, um, two player games, the ones I've seen, I haven't looked at Scarlet Heroes, but the ones I've seen tend to have a definite resolution. Is that something? An end that's, point. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. an endpoint. Yeah. So mm-hmm. where where the game is definitely over. Mm-hmm. Um, is that another thing that two player games tend to have in common from looking at them? Because most other RPGs, the ones that are for more than two players, tend to be quite open ended. Um, I, even the ones that have like a session limit, sort of a soft session limit built in, are still somewhat open ended. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's lots of, lots to, to kind of take out of that question. Um, I don't, despite having written one, I haven't played a whole bunch of two player games, but one thing is they often do conflict, um, between the players. And so at the end of that conflict, there's usually a bad outcome, which makes them or bad for one of the, (laughs) one of the players anyway, uh, but it comes to like a narrative conclusion. So it's, it's hard to continue from that. And I think that I'm curious, I'm not sure it's necessarily the format is, is leading to having those types of games. It's those types of games are leading to two player format. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, there's something to be said in terms of, when you're playing like a two-player game, it's not really that hard to get back together again and again in the future. Like if you have like a bunch of people, it's actually difficult to get everybody's schedules to line up so that they can actually play together, right? Mm-hmm. So when they do so, it's more of a big deal. So they kind of want to continue where they were from. If it's easier to just get two players together, then counterintuitively though it would be easier to actually continue the same storyline it's more likely i would assume that two-player games would end up being one shots yeah most of them are pretty one shotty or at least fairly limited yeah 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 it's like it's just not as it's not as huge of a deal to get two people to have their schedules line up so it's you wouldn't make as big of a deal of it. It'd just be like, oh, let's sit down and play like a two-player game. And at that point, it's more like um, a board game, like pick a random board game rather than we're going to play the same board game every time. Yeah. I think... And Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to ask, is that because we think that there's sort of a shallower depth of experience that we can have with two players' input? as opposed to like multiple people that contribute to a, a narrative? No, I think or... part of it might just be that, like just thinking of it now, I think it might, it might really just be that uh, when you have a bunch of different people trying to get them to agree on anything, like as a group is really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So if you can get one game that everybody is willing to do, then usually that's the game that you play and you play it consistently rather than if there's just two people, there's a much broader chance of there being overlap. So mm-hmm. I think that might be it. I don't know. I think that um, two-player games have the... Uh, I mean, I got to back up. Okay, when we take a traditional game and we have six people, the, the amount of spotlight is sort of equally divided. So if we take that same game um, 
and jam it between two players, the spotlight is um, it increases. And so if you play for an hour or two in a two player game, there's way more spotlight per player than in a, you know, for, well, for the same time frame with a whole group. Mm-hmm. And I think that also changes the dynamic about, you know, even desire to play for long periods of time. Uh, I find it more difficult to play two player games for a long time. That makes sense as well. Like, it's not just that you have more spotlight and it's more draining on you and more involved, but it would also be you'd be running through the content quicker because, like, the content, like, for your, let's say, you're playing, like, your character for whatever, and it's like if you do, like, a traditional sort of uh, Team D-ish or some sort of similar game where it's, like, your character has, like, a backstory and something. If you're in the spotlight pretty much the whole time, you go through all of your plot hooks and then they're gone. Yeah, you can really fly through. I don't know, have you guys ever tried to play two players, like a GM and a and one player in a more traditional style game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so have I. And it, it, it's actually not that bad. Um, kind of depends but, on the game, but yeah. Yeah. It, it it doesn't quite feel the same as, you know, you, the full group, but um, I think it's doable. Uh, but it it begs to be sort of honed and, and made better for the situation, I think. Like, there's things that don't work as well in that format mm-hmm. uh, when you are playing with just two players. Well, yeah, and especially, like, the distribution of power, which we were ta- talking about earlier, or, like, you know, narrative power. Um, is usually different in a group RPG, I guess we can call it, um, because you know because there's usually a GM and then players, um, and so when translating that, it just it just doesn't work as well usually, or doesn't have that nice, um, you know, uh, equal balance of power that helps make two player games so good. It's not even just the equal balance of power. Like when you're in like a larger game, like of darkness or D or shadowrun or whatever like they're built in such a way that it assumes you have multiple characters that can each cover different niches if you only have a single player the game's not really built in such a way that the one character can do it all so they're constantly going to run into situations that they basically can't do anything or they need an npc to do it for them or you just steer them away from ever encountering those situations so having just the two players actually changes the entire dynamic of what an individual character is actually expected to be capable of yeah, yeah, um, sure. that that's that's a really good point, and that's interestingly that's something that I started out. That was like a, a goal I had when I started doing Ashes, is for it to be able to handle um, a one on one experience because you can you can do it a traditional adventuring party with the you know inside the Ashes dynamic because you can have you have like your hero and then your wizard and your rogue and your warrior and they can all be contributing and you're all the same player but it's way easier than handling and i've done the reason i know this is because i've done it before way easier than handling four separate characters mm-hmm. on four separate character sheets and having initiatives between them and all that stuff so one of the things 
like one of the things I wanted to try and do was make it like a low player count game feasible. Um, I didn't start out with like a, a one-on-one idea, but I guess it would work for that just as well. But low player count was something I was trying deliberately trying to make ashes mm-hmm. handle. Yeah. N- not necessarily optimized for a specific n- group number. Yeah. yeah as many exactly. games are. Yeah. yeah. yeah actually, I have an anecdote. It's slightly off topic, but uh, that's kind of what we do. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I did want to mention it because I think maybe that um, first off, Murderous Ghosts might have changed from when you um, looked at it. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, they released it and uh, they uh, rewrote it to be played as a party game. And it's still two books. There's still, actually, I think that most of it is fairly similar, but you play with a GM or whatever they call it. I'm not sure. And then there's um, another player who sort of takes the group, um, will look to the group for the replies, basically. But there's still the two books, and uh, there's still that same back and forth. Um, but yeah, I actually played it at PAX Unplugged last year with uh, McGay and uh, Vincent Baker. Oh, wow. Cool. And they played with the whole. Uh, like auditorium, there's probably like a hundred of us or something like that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> so um, they just went through like everybody one at a time to play a quick game with everybody, or it was like they no, 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 talked no. to Sorry, the that's entire what I mean. group. It's, it's more of a like a group party game, and so they'd say, "Do you guys want to, you know, investigate the room upstairs, or do you want to like turn tail and run, or whatever?" Right, and and so you kind of go like that. Um, Please have it. Yeah, and then everyone sort of raises their hand if they want a certain thing and they make their rough judgment based on that. So yeah. Yeah. So just thought I'd throw that out there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> okay. I would like to as, make... as you do when you go off topic, you just stop all <laughs> the flow of the whole show. Perfect. On to topic then I'd actually like to reference that most of my experience with like two player role playing has been like open role playing, like not within an actual system. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I found that there, it's sometimes been where both players actually have the same amount of power. Sometimes it hasn't been though. Like sometimes there has been like one person who's more in control where they basically set the setting and some of the characters and you have like one the other player is basically playing the star character like the protagonist that everything centers around and because they're playing that central pivotal point there's actually a lot more effort that goes into that one character than the uh orbiting characters and the scenery and such that goes on around it but the one thing i've really noticed that is that when it's open role playing in that case there's always very much so uh like both players are able to adjust what's going on so even if it's like that dichotomy where one player is significantly less at power than the other they can still introduce elements into what's going on other than what has been suggested already 
So if you're like, um, one situation, like I was in like, uh, this big combat thing where it was like, we were basically in an office building and like sort of, uh, a military strike team showed up. It was very like kind of, um, shadow runny in a sense. And it's like, in that case, I was totally able to just add new elements coming in as I felt like it. And they would just be like, okay, yeah, it totally works with that. And we'll just run with the idea. So there's still a lot of, a lot more control you get in that, but that's sort of more the open role playing thing rather than the two player. But I think it would probably translate over to most two player games just in general. Yeah, and so I think that's interesting. It's something I noticed playing my game specifically, but but games where there's just two people, you often there's often uh the initial sort of scene setting or 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 character action and then there's a reply of some sort. And sometimes the reply like it's like a suggestion or a reaction and sometimes it doesn't quite exactly work with what was originally said and and I've noticed like this slight back and forth like you know I do this and it's like this is what happens and then there's like oh well maybe it's this and then there's like a, a couple extra back and forths and then there's like this consensus of canon instead of just this sort of uh, the canon already existing in in one player's head, and the rest of the players um, going along with it. Yeah, it does seem to be the case from my experiences. But like I said, I've mostly done this through like open role playing, and that's far more common there. Where if somebody just adds something to the game and says, "Okay, we're we're at the." On my turn, like when I'm talking, oh, we come to the edge of the jungle and there's like, the trees just seem to fall away and now there's like desert. Great. Now what are we going to do? And you just phrase it like that. And generally you just roll with it rather than uh, questioning it or that's not what's in the rules or that's not what's there or that's not what I had in mind. It's like, no, we'll just, we'll just go with that. Yeah. So yeah, I think we we've already, in a lot of ways, we've hit on um, like strengths and weaknesses of the two-player format. Um, mm -hmm. But is there any more that uh, you guys can think of, or like, say for example, um, I, I don't think any of you have started uh, designing any two-player games. Is that right? Uh, I have. That you was have? part of why I recommended this topic. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so. So, okay, so why, if you have, why did you decide to do it? And if you haven't, why have you not, why have you decided not to do it? Or why haven't you done one yet? Hmm. I know there's lots there. Some, you know, some, some of us are just focused on what we're working on now and don't necessarily make time to <laughs> sort of think about in general, just new things. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, okay. I, since I mentioned it, I'll, I'll go into my thing real quick. Um, I, I just, the, the reason I, I made it, 
Um, it's just I had this. Uh, well, okay, there's I'm I'm in university right now, and uh, at this university, it's really fucking cold outside um, in the winter. So all the buildings, as as with a lot of universities, actually, all the buildings or most of the buildings have tunnels between them. And I had just kind of I I end up spending a lot of time in these tunnels, going between classes and going you know going between places because you don't want to be outside, um, like most of the time. So and I just. And so I had them in my head and I was like thinking about it as kind of this experience because there's all these different little things that you go past these pieces of art and, you know, little like there's like, you know, you go past the Tim Hortons and shit like that. Um, so anyway, so I, I started. Wait a second. There's a Tim Hortons in the tunnels. Dude, there's three Tim Hortons on this campus. Yeah, but in the tunnels, though. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, because the tunnels go like through buildings. It's oh, okay. In the tunnels, but it's really in a building. Yeah. All right. It's a Tim Hortons if they can fit one in. And it's there. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but a- anyway, so I just I I had the thought of that as like an experience, and I was also like, just just I couldn't I couldn't do that as a as like a group thing. Um, it just didn't make sense to me. So. I just so I, when I started writing this, I was like, okay, it has to be a, a two-player thing, um, and just trying to get that experience and trying to relate this thing that I thought was kind of interesting, um, and that was the way I wanted to express that. Um, because uh, now I now going into the like strengths of why and exactly why I'm not totally sure, but it just felt like it felt like I needed something small. Like it felt, you know, because they're not like a big space. Felt like I needed something small. So, it's it was it was about that that smaller, you know, possibly more intimate or more like personal experience. Cool. Hmm. So the the play experience sort of demanded that that the format. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I have another my other main project. I have kind of been poking at turning into a two-player rpg because it's it's about traveling and a lot of people do it solo but that's a that's a whole other thing and that's and that also is just because i couldn't do that any other way like you can't get that that feeling of like loneliness and like straight interaction with a group you need like you need a small amount of people and two is pretty much the smallest i'm prepared to make a role-playing game about so (laughs) yeah i think I think one way of saying this potentially, and I think it's the obvious reason, but maybe just being explicit about it, is that when you're designing a role-playing game, you're designing an experience that you want to share. And if that experience contains like very intimate or um, like a, a confined set of characters, like when you want to just focus in on the interactions between two individuals, like in that case, um, then you need the two-player game. Um, is that fair of summarizing what you're what you're saying? Yeah, that was said much better than I was saying it. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I was, I was sorry, Catrice. Did you have something? No, go right ahead. I'll I'll say uh, it after. Okay, I was looking through some of the library that I have of, of two-player games and uh, saw a couple that I'd sort of, I guess, forgotten about. Um, one of them was Starcrossed. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we mentioned that <laughs> on this here podcast at some point. Yeah, um, which is like specifically an intimate game between two people um, using the Jenga Tower as, 
attention building mechanic. Um, and that's one that I think you really want to encapsulate the emotion around two people who are sort of feeling out their emotions and intentions towards each other. Um, and I think in that case, it doesn't work in any other format. Like you need a two player game to really shine that spotlight on exactly what that interaction is like. Because I think as soon as you open it up to multiple people, then I think you lose the focus of what the experience is trying to be. Um, and the other game that I have is called Duel. Um, it's by Broken Ruler Games. And it's sort of a fantasy, um, I guess, medieval like fantasy Um I guess the the title picture has a centaur on it fighting a dude um, where it's two warriors facing off against each other. Um, so it's very much just a like smackdown sort of uh, game. Uh, I don't think it has sort of the intricacies of other games where it's like, how did uh, how did these warriors get to be here and what is the backstory behind them and what what are they fighting for? I think it's much more of a, a combat RPG, but um, again, it's trying to simulate the idea of a battle in of an, inside an arena with these two main heroes, and they're trying to uh, appease the gods that are watching their fight. Um, so again, the the spotlight is really on these two singular forces. So. Um, you can have battles in other games, but it's not going to feel the same as the duel. And that's what this is trying to capture. So, Yeah, I think that a lot of people love the idea of being able to fight the like PvP. Like, it's mm-hmm. weird how many role-playing players like the idea of PvP. But the truth is, is that nine times out of ten player characters aren't designed to fight each other, even though they have mechanics, you know, that's like, I hit, you hit. They're really not designed to fight each other. They're designed to fight NPCs. Um, and there, there's a lot of ways that that's true in, in the, the group games. Uh, how intricate spells might be, how intricate uh, player moves are versus NPC moves and stuff like that. Um, and when you have player versus player, when it's not designed for that, it tends to, I'm not going to say fall apart, but it, it doesn't it, it doesn't have the focus that games that are designed that way do, like mm-hmm. Duel. Mm-hmm. Um, and an, another game, it, it's really not about fighting, but it really explores the, it's called Reflections, and it really explores the background to two people who, end up in a duel. Um, And so it's really exploring the story of the two. But because it is um, a PvP fight, it's really uh, lends itself to the the two-player format. Well, I was looking through my stuff I'm working on older because I have like a bunch of like random little ideas I come up with just write them down quickly so I for 
I don't have to dwell on them. I was looking through it, and I actually have, like, a pretty good idea for a game that's, like, really small. So apparently I was working on a two-player game. <laughs> and I forgot about it entirely. Which is not really surprising, but this actually looks kind of interesting. I might go back and finish it then. And it's just, like, it's just called Inquisitor, and it's, like, basically you get an Inquisitor and an Accused Witch, and basically they have the ability to force them to answer their questions truthfully for a set limited amount of time. And it basically is like a thematic glorified form of 20 questions, basically. But the idea is you're basically trying to extract a confession before they run out of the capacity to know that they'll be answering truthfully. This so. reminds me. I don't know if anyone else has heard about this, but um, it's a board game with a roleplay element where um, there's one person who's a, a questionnaire or like a questionnaire, and then the other person has to respond. And the um, they each have a secret card. So the questionnaire has to determine whether or not the person they're investigating is a human or a cyborg. And um, the person who is a human or a cyborg has the card that says like whether or not they're human or a cyborg. And if they're a cyborg, they have a specific tick. So there's a bug. Um, and they have to do something like they will repeat the, I don't know, first word of every sentence later on in that sentence uh, or something like that. And then um, you just have a role play conversation and the questionnaire has to try to determine whether or not that person has a tick and is a human tick or if it's a robotic tick sort of thing. Um, anyway, the humans just say you are human, just act normally. But um, there's a there's sort of the, a similar element to it that I thought was really interesting because it's just about interpreting sort of a conversation and um, listening into how that other person is responding. Yeah, that uh, Adam Coble was playing it. I don't know if that's where you saw it. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd seen it on Kickstarter earlier, but yeah. I, yeah. And I just can't remember the name of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I'd seen like this. It'd be pretty interesting, though. Yeah, mm. yeah you right, might well, like it for your game. Yeah, if um, if you guys remember what that is, at some point we'll like put it in the show notes or something in the description of the episode. Yeah, remember. Sure. Something you were saying earlier, too, like, I think Fred was talking about, like, card resolution. And um, I don't think I've talked about that. I that don't was think Rob was, that was, that was yeah, yeah. Rob. Was it Rob? Okay. Well, somebody was talking about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and when you were talking about it, I was thinking of, like, it sounds so much like tarot cards. Because, like, you're supposed to interpret them anyway. So, that actually would make sense as a game if you had like a game where it's like, oh, you actually use like an actual tarot deck and it's like, oh, you, you pick death. It just means change. Now describe what the change is that takes place or something like that. Like that would actually make sense. Yeah. 
I could actually see that working as a two-player game. Yeah, it could be pretty cool. So, and I think some people have no desire to play two-player role-playing games. Uh, just the, I think the idea to some people uh, kind of really turns them off. Yeah, um, I was one of those people. Yeah, and I was just going to ask, Rob, is, is that you or do you, do you fall into that? Yeah, I, I was definitely, I, I wouldn't say I'm there now. Okay. And I think the primary reason I'm not there now is because I played your game. Um, <laughs> and, but before that, I, to, it was, to me, two player games, like two player games, that's, you only have one friend. Like, <laughs> you can't right. get, you can't get a gaming group together. It's like, it's, you know, but it wasn't just that. It was just like, this just sounds, I, there's not, for me, there's not enough dynamism between two people to make it interesting like that you know i like having the other people around like to interject and and you know you get different perspectives on things but with two people like you know i just considered that there wouldn't be enough going on between two people because it's then it's just like chess it's like oh you go i go you go i go and to me that's not what i want out of an rpg um but having said that and then having played a two-player rpg that i enjoyed uh I can see now where the where the enjoyment is in a two player RPG. It's not in the figuring out of the mechanics because they have to be pretty much transparent to both people. Um, but it's it's so they have to be simple is, is what I'm getting at. Um, there's no as far as I know, there's no two player two player RPGs that are GURPS on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Where it's like a couple hundred pages for both people, like right, right, you know. Um, Thank God, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I mean, I, technically, but, but let me the point. could actually no, 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 you could totally play that with two people. It's not it's intended not a, to, but yeah, you, could. you could. It's not intended to, cat. Mm -hmm. But you could do it. <laughs> you could do anything. If my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. So what? <laughs> But I mean, like, this sounds like an engineering problem. <laughs> kind of, I guess. Um, <laughs> but what, what the fuck was I saying? Um, the the mechanics have to be simple. Oh, right. So, so the mechanics yeah. have to be simple. And um, the interesting part comes in the 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 as it does with pretty much any RPG um, in in the narrative layer. Um, but it, you don't need as much going on underneath that to to make that part interesting in fact you i think you actually need quite a bit less going on underneath the narrative layer and the mechanics layer to make a two-player rpg work um because i think one of the crucial elements of a two-player rpg is maintaining the flow between two people mm -hmm. and if anything interrupts that flow like not knowing a rule or um having to look up something it's there's a different dynamic at play, you know, because when an RPG table that's like five or six people looks up a rule, one person looks up the rule, the other people can keep going. But when a two player, it, when it becomes necessary to look up a rule in a two player game, like that's it. Like there's no, like that has shut the game down. The flow of conversation has stopped and you're, you're losing that momentum that is supposed to keep the game interesting. So um, to me, previously that wasn't going to be enough you know i couldn't i couldn't envision a two-player rpg working because i couldn't envision 
a game simple enough to work that would be interesting. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but the the cut to the chase, the game that all or most, or I'm not 100 percent sure, but you guys have seen for sure and played. Um, it didn't start as a two player game. It was a three or four player game with one person taking on the the GM role. I think it was one the GM, um, a hunter and two prey or something like that. Like it was a a different thing completely. Mm. Um, although the rules are very similar, um, the, the narrative structure was much different, but the, the, the rules and what you could do were very similar as players. And, uh, it just, it really, really, really fell flat. Um, I played it a couple of times and I was like, ah, I don't really know what's going on here, but, it's just <laughs> work. but you know, like yeah. you're just learning, right? Like for me, yeah, especially sure. like it's, it's all brand new. And, um, I was lucky enough to talk to someone and it was just sort of expressed how it just wasn't working. Like I liked the idea, but it wasn't working. And they're like, and so I talked to him about how it played. And uh, as I was talking and I could tell he was hearing it, but like I could hear myself and I was like, oh, like, I think I know the solution. And he's like, yeah, this sounds like a two player game. And then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, so. <laughs> Right, yeah. it's really obvious when you think about it. It's like, what is he, what's the what? What are the fundamental elements of a chase? Yeah, exactly. A, a person being chased and a person chasing them. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for, it's it's interesting how we get to the the points where, you know, we we make the game that we like. Yeah, I had that same experience yesterday, but it was not. I wasn't talking to another person. I was, um, so I ref I refactored a bunch of the language in Ashes to make it simpler and 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 more direct. Like I cut out a bunch of the descriptive, um, where where I had a multiple syllable word describing um, something the players were going to reach for all the time. Um, so I went through and changed all that. And that case came to me as I was on the toilet. I was <laughs> like, oh, I should really like fix that because why? What am I doing that for? What am I you know, it, it just simplify it. There's no reason to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Dejargon it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and about actually the 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 GURPS versus GURPS player <laughs> game. Yeah. It the one of the reasons that doesn't work too is is because of how um, how much someone's knowledge can affect the outcome. Right. It's like, oh, I know exactly how to play this. You know, I got to you know, pick this and pick that. And, you know, I'll be perfectly set up to kill this guy. And, mm -hmm. you know, meanwhile, your little brother's on the other side of the table that has, knows nothing about the game. And uh, yeah, fuck you, Vic. Yeah. And picks the cool, <laughs> the things that look cool and is just going to get destroyed. He's got creamed. Um, what happens when you play with the big dogs? Yeah. But, it, <laughs> but it's interesting. So the, the game that I'm trying to create, I'm, uh, the new one, about uh, gladiators and trying to make it dynamic as in for each round, the players will make different choices. Um, the idea was for it to be a tactical game. I'm just not sure it will be tactical in the way that you think about it. It'll be tactical in the sense of there will be better moves to make or better choices to make, but it won't be, do I swing with my big sword or do I smash him with my shield? Um, there but yeah, there's a list of things that you can do that are fairly straightforward, and each one gives 
a specific benefit for a different situation. Yeah, I mean, well, in this case, it's a matter of spending your successes, whether you spend your successes to beat the shit out of this guy or you spend your success to win the crowd over and just the play on on how that works because you want to win the crowd because, you know, that's your job as a gladiator. Um, and you also want to win. So there's just that mix, you know, how much do you spend to do damage and how much do you spend to to win the crowd? Is this a historical gladiatorial contest or is it fantasy or is... What's uh, the... When in, uh, when I get in, it, it'll, it'll be historical, r- right. relatively speaking, like, um, but there's no magic or nothing, nothing like okay. that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, can you fight a minotaur? Like that's... You know... No, no, no. It'll okay. just be like it and it's not even going to have all the the other things that are semi related like animals or or um or large groups or anything like that it'll just be one on one one on one yeah and you each pick a type of and they're you're, you're going to choose from like the traditional types of the like uh, retari yeah. and the yeah okay cool yeah yeah so i i feel like i'm getting off topic but i love talking about <laughs> my own stuff so <laughs> but, uh, well, i mean no one's listening so why why yeah. not Yes. So (laughs) the idea would be like, because I work around D6, so I picked six, um, although I may make a bigger list. I don't have it in front of me, though. But yeah, you would. The idea would be everyone, each player would roll some dice to figure out sort of how prepared they are. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'd be a roll under system. And the determining how prepared you are tells you what number you're rolling under. Um, so whether one's a success or two and under or three and under are successes. So those are sort of the things. Um, but each gladiator sort of matches up differently with the other. And so if you are really the underdog in the situation, then you get to sit, pick your gladiator second. Um, in that sense, giving you the advantage of having a better matchup. And so um it's tactical in ways like that um but um so you'll get more dice but each roll it's not tactical in the sense of like oh what move do i do on this guy each roll is just still an attack roll anyway the idea is to make it feel like you have a bunch of choices but really is <laughs> to sort of still make it relatively equal um yeah but uh yeah so um i think yeah does anyone have any weaknesses of the format or maybe even not weaknesses uh, but maybe they could expand on like turnoffs of the format like what things that it's not particularly good at yeah. Yeah. Well, the the first thing that came to mind, and Rob mentioned this earlier, as long as we're going here, I'll, I'll bring it up again just to talk about it again. He was talking about how, like, there's a, he was saying one of his problems with it was he didn't feel there was a, the same dynamism between two people as there was within a group, you know, as if that, and, and I, I understand that. Like, it's sometimes it can be hard to, you know, building a rapport between two people often is can be kind of awkward or just have silences because you don't have the same creative pools to work from or 
something like that. And so it's a little hard, it can be a little harder to get that going. Um, so that the he fact also, that it's just relying on two people is. He was also including like the different perspectives. Like most people can't handle multiple different perspectives at the same time. Some people can, but it's relatively rare. If you have like just two people, then it's like one perspective against another perspective. If you have like five people, then you can have the same problem come at from several different directions, which does actually change how things are uh, just dealt with. What about when two-player games try to do things that traditional games do well? Um, what, I guess, problems might occur, or you know, can they do those things? I think one of the biggest ones in most games is going to be the matter of combat in general. I think you're going to have a very interesting and fun time trying to make a very combat-heavy game like the gladiatorial one as a two-player game because, like, as Rob was saying, you kind of need to simplify it down a lot. Whereas in, like, if there's multiple players, you can do a lot more in the tactical sense of combat. So that might actually end up being a, a big hurdle for you to overcome. Yeah, totally. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> no, but, but I agree. It's, it's not um, even as in, in the act of designing it, you can see how you can't think of combat or i shouldn't say you can't it 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 i don't think it works as well when you think of combat in in the way that we're often used to mm. there's there's some games that were well okay so riddle of steel is a is a weird example um because the combat in riddle of steel is specifically geared towards two combatants exchanging blows uh, and but the, the game structure besides that is a fairly traditional RPG. It's a party of players that go around doing things in the world and, and doing stuff and having adventures and whatnot. Um, but when it goes into combat, what happens is the spotlight goes on one pair of fighters and then it moves to another pair of fighters. Um, it's not the kind of thing where it's a initiative, you know, start at the top of initiative and go down the list. It's a, okay, we're going to have, you know, we're going to do, the fight between, you know, this enemy and Mark, and then we're going to do this fight between this enemy and um, Jonathan, and we're going to do this fight between this guy and Fred, and then the GM mm. has to do all those fights separately. Um, but each player is doing their attack thing. But the thing is, like, Real Steel is super lethal, so the fights don't last that long. They're not. It's not like a big spotlight hog, like it is when a when a wizard does a bunch of stuff on their turn in D and D where it's like, you know, they have to reference a lot of different rules and the effects on enemies are pretty drastic and, and everything's different after they go. But in, in, in rule of steel, it's like, you can shine the spotlight on somebody, you know, the exchanges take two seconds in real time. Um, in, in the game world, not, in I'm sorry, not in real time in game time there, you're only representing about two seconds. Like it's a, it's a, a sword cut and a parry, and then maybe another one, and then maybe another one. So like six seconds total. Um, and that's 
plenty of time for the other characters to be doing something else, resolve that, and and then the fight kind of goes on from there. And then it slips back into a more narrative um, mode. But when the fights happen, they're always almost always one-on-one. And even when there are multiple people on 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 one, when it's one one versus many, what happens is that one person is going to try to make it a one-on-one fight by positioning themselves using terrain or whatever. Um, and because that's the advantage. So the game is strongly incentivizing you to take it to one-on-one as often as you can. Um, the combat in that system is uh, basically a dice pool versus dice pool thing um, where you select a maneuver, roll your dice, um, and then the the risk-reward factor is how many dice do you throw considering there might be a second exchange in this round and you may need dice for defense and you want to, or do you want to receive the blow first, spend as much dice on defense as you want and attack a guy who has probably expended his entire pool and does, has nothing left. So there's, there's an, there's an interesting choice to be made. Like, you know, do you want to defend attack and then what maneuver and then what weapon you're using versus their armor. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to the combat, but it still takes place as a one versus one mechanical interaction. Yeah, and I think they, they it sounds like to me they they play with some of the ideas that I had where it would be like, yeah, if you make this decision, that's fine, but it's gonna affect, you know, how you defend or how you attack. Right. Or, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it might be worth it to look at it just for just to see how they do the the exchanges. I mean, because I think you're probably going a more narrative route anyway. But yeah, it may, it may give you some ideas or just spark something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think what we were saying earlier might actually come back as a weakness as well here, is that each individual character, assuming that you're playing an individual character, you kind of run into the problem that under like a normal uh, game where you have like a lot of players to work with, and I find it a little odd that we're calling it normal, but it basically is the standardized format, you have multiple people with multiple skills or abilities and each one has their own niche they can cover for the gaps of somebody else. If you're doing a two-player game, you basically won't really have that as long as it's like strictly a role-playing game instead of more like a board game because you only really get the one character unless you're getting a large number of characters, in which case it's losing some of the role-playing elements in most cases. So just by the very nature of that, you kind of either have to hyper-specialize your game in a very uh, linear theme, where it's like, cut to the chase, for example, it's focused on chasing. Everything is centered around the chase. So that's about all you have to worry about. You have the one being chased has an explicit set of things that they do only in relation to being chased. Mm-hmm. And it works it works perfectly fine in that case. But if you tried to open it up to a more broad uh, set of things that you're trying to accomplish, then basically that one character has to essentially be able to do it all on their own because they have to fill every single niche by themselves. 
Yeah, the the focused play uh, and the design towards it it takes away from sort of like an open world or or even maybe sandbox or, or something like that that style of play that we might be used to in a traditional sense. Yeah, so I don't think that two-player games are going to be really especially good at doing the sandbox play, as you said. And I know this is an upcoming point, but I don't think they'll do campaign style very well in general either for, like, carrying on between sessions. Like, there might be some situations where like it'll reference back to a previous session you'd played in but even in like the open rp that i've done even if i'm using like the same character for like years on end there's there's not like there's never been a consistent oh we did this at the end of the last session so the next session continues on from where it left off that has never happened not even once yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm I'm curious too because I I would typically agree that it probably doesn't do campaign very well, but I mean Scarlet Heroes is supposed to be able to do that. Um, so I'm I'm I think I'm gonna arrange a a game with a friend of mine and see if we can see how it plays out. Hmm. Um, my ultimate holy grail, and I I feel like. I don't know. I don't know why I became a two-player game designer, but I feel like I'm in this niche now, and and I I end up getting these ideas that sort of fall into that category. So it really was never my intention. Anyway, my <laughs> holy grail is is to be is to create this sort of two-player game that's not um, GM player, but still produces like some sort of campaign play somehow in a, you know, traditional fantasy RPG setting, which is, to me, just bonkers. It doesn't even make sense. But I feel like it's possible. I just don't know how to do it yet. (laughs) I think you could. Actually, the closest thing I've seen was not a role-playing game to that, though. It was, there's a Castlevania board game, actually, that works pretty similar to that, but it's purely a board game. You could adapt the concept, though, and change it from a board game into more of a role-playing game and just have, like... It'd almost be like um, just running set modules, essentially, Hmm. where the modules have all of the information that you need to play, and that way you don't really need the GM so much. Right. It would kind of make it rather linear, though. Yeah, it feels like a self-directed game with two players, <laughs> which isn't quite what I was thinking. But yeah, yeah, I guess there's yeah. It's, there, there might yeah. be something you could you could salvage yeah. from it though. I think I think it's interesting because I think the fewer there are participants, the more the game relies on sort of a trust between the players to play fairly uh, mm. or to to kind of contribute to the the story of the game in a way. Um, I met up with a bunch of local RPG designers um, over the weekend, and there was one game where it, I think it could play with any number of players, uh, but the idea was basically every player had a character that they 
established in fiction. And then um, they collaboratively sort of told a story of what their objective was. Um, so I think it was fairly loose. It didn't have like a, a solid structure to it. But the idea was that everyone at the table would decide whether or not that character had a chance of failure at the task that they were trying to perform. And if they did, they'd flip up the top card of a tarot deck and they'd try to interpret what that tarot card meant uh, in the fiction uh, collaboratively. So it kind of involved a lot of knowledge of how tarot cards can be read. Um, but the idea was that, like, I think they chose two suits to basically represent failure and two suits to represent success. And they mostly just used the minor arcana. And they said, um, we'll flip up a card and we'll try to narratively explain what the story is based on what you flipped up. Um, so it became much more of a trust exercise. But I think the narrative that came from it could absolutely be applied to um, like a campaign style game. Um, so I think in the two player games that I've seen, there's a lot more of a trust from the other player to contribute a lot to the narrative and to push it forward for it to be a fully fledged story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there, that those kinds of games, campaign style games are possible with two player games. I think that it just requires a lot of uh, communication between the players, whether that that's facilitated by the, the game itself, the game mechanics, or if that's just something that sort of is stated as you, you need to know that you're both going to be uh, in this sort of very intimate uh, discussion of what the plot is and relying on each other to fill in each other's gaps. Um, I think that'll be an important point to move that kind of genre forward. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, trust is a good spot to, to wrap it up, but um, if you have anything to say to convince people who haven't tried two player games, uh, shout it out. Um, play Do two it player or games. Or we'll use a gun. What's that? Whoa, don't use a gun. Um, <laughs> just a knife. A knife will, will suffice. You don't need to bring out a gun for this. Oh, we don't have we don't get to hold them at gunpoint, just knife point. I mean, what if yeah. they they like what if they parry it with their throat? Uh well then I mean You've just... won? <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't because winning is playing a two player RPG with them. Yeah. Well, well, no, it's a one-player RPG. Oh, there, there's, there's, there's that. Uh, I can use that mechanic I came up with, where you, oh, uh, yeah, you, you flip yeah. the knife, and then uh, <laughs> a number of times you flip it and catch it by the handle. You, uh, you that those are your number of successes. And then you pass it to your buddy who also has to best you, and uh, mm. then you both go to the hospital later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, because you said that, and I immediately thought, oh, you could also do that with like knifey fingers. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> like the number of stabs you do before you hit yourself. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's your D20 roll. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. I have a game designer on... in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oof. Yeah. There has so... to be some time limit or some way to keep count of score like beats per minute or something because otherwise somebody who just goes slowly. You can do, do it as a rhythm game. Who goes fast. Yeah. Well, I need a camera. That's pretty to good. Leave you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let me get my camera. Yeah.
<laughs> Wait, on this this aud- this audio um, forum that we're doing, you're going to get a camera? Great, thanks, Rob. Jonathan said he <laughs> needed the camera to believe in. <laughs> so, I mean, I assumed you were like like smacking a pen into a table or something. I'm using a pen, but it is on a table and in between my fingers. I'm just seeing if I can. Yeah, they'll do it. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've lost too much. Yeah. You know. Okay, <laughs> listeners, play RPGs or two player RPGs. If you haven't, I guarantee you'll learn something about role-playing you didn't know. Yeah, they're not as stupid as you think. (laughs) They are not. They're pretty cool. (laughs) Some of them. Yes. Especially that one about, like, whatever that was, chasing or something. It was about, like, prey in the woods? I don't know. It's it's called Cut to the Chase, and Jonathan wrote it. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) no, I was doing a bit, Rob. Yeah, I know, I just ripped that Band-Aid off. (laughs) Just keep in mind that... And it wasn't a good bit. Any form of media, it I only the have majority of it is going to be garbage. It's like ninety ten, like ninety percent is garbage, ten percent is awesome. So I I don't know about just, all that, but it's right. standard rule for almost all forms of media. You only really remember like the really good stuff. So yeah, that's I don't like using those sort of ideas because it means that most of all of our stuff is garbage, right? Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I mean most of the stuff that you made in the past is garbage. Like look at something that you worked on like 2 3 years ago and go back to it and it's like this is what was I thinking? Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Something I wrote a month ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean that was cut to the chase with the GM. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Goodbye listeners. Have a good Bye, night everybody. Freedom! <laughs> All right, Craig, it's funny.